Hey, everybody, welcome back in the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson, and we are getting ready for the Memorial Tournament as things head north from Texas to Ohio. Skeeter, I claim to be from Kentucky. I always claim to be from Cincinnati, too, and Cincinnati's not in Kentucky. Uh, but this one kind of close to uh, to me. So, and it's Jack's place, a place I get kind of excited to watch. Um, but before we get into it, we'll do what we do every week. Let's take a look back at last week. It was the Charles Schwab Challenge uh, down in Texas. What, if anything, did we learn last week? And what from last week will we take into this week? Um, I think that Kevin Na is actually somebody we got to start wondering about. Uh, he's finally figured out his game. Second win in, in the past year. He won back in uh, July at the, at the Greenbrier, so, I mean, I don't know if he's ready to start winning majors, but we're talking about somebody who's probably going to find their way to potentially get to East Lake at the end of the year. Kevin Na, if it's a shorter course, if it's not just a real bomber's paradise, I think Na, his ball striking is good enough that he can contend. As far as what we, but okay, Kevin Na wins. I think there's two other stories that we need to talk about here. Which one would you like to start with, Paul Casey or Jordan Spieth? Let's just get Paul Casey out of the way. Okay. So, well, we can we also include Louie in this discussion too, but okay, this See, is what I don't I don't want to pair them together because I told you before we started I'm not here to uh, oh no no to like to put Paul Casey on my ban list. No no neither am I neither am I. Okay. This is where the sites need to have late swap on the Louis situation. Like, this is what the second or third time in the past, what, month or something like that, where we've seen somebody withdraw literally 30 minutes after lock and before they tee off. Like, there's late swap in every other sport. Mm -hmm. Why can't we have late swap? It would improve the experience for everybody, and I don't see how it harms anybody. There's, because there's no, you know, you know, there's no skill in avoiding the golfer who happens to withdraw. Like, let's make this a better experience and allow for late swap. I would be more inclined to play Ustazen if that were allowed. Oh, gosh, um, yes. I do think that, you know, if the guy hasn't teed off yet, you know, especially when we're teeing off in waves. All right, if the first wave tees off and he's in the second wave, at least let me use the guys that are still in the clubhouse waiting to tee off on the range. Um, that was not going to help me in the case of Paul Casey, who was one no. under after this first round, and then my 50% shares of him went down the drain as I had 10 lineups, five had Paul Casey, and I felt really good about that until he withdrew Friday. Oh, my best lineup on the week, a five of six with Casey, beat my only six of six. That is pretty painful, my man. I yeah. mean, at least I didn't have to, like, none of my Paul Casey lineups ended up being that close because, well... You know, I had some Pat Perez. I probably had a little bit too much Boo Weekly. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's going to happen with me. Right, but no. No, the Paul Casey thing, that's just that's just bad luck. And he, he did post later on, I think Friday night, when he withdrew for flu, that might have been a little more serious than the flu. He was checked into a hospital, and I think he might have been a, he might have stayed overnight, I think. So he had something going on. But no, that part, that's just bad luck. Somebody withdraws because yeah. they don't, they hurt themselves, they don't feel well, or, I mean, usually if they're, they're withdrawing early, they've shot nine over, and they just don't want to play the second round. Right. But in a case like that, no. Look, that's like a once or twice a year thing that happens where somebody's playing well, but something happens. 
That's just bad luck. There's no way to avoid that. Sorry, everybody who wants to whine and complain about it. Get over that one. The, the one where somebody hasn't teed off yet, that's what I think they need to address. And I, you'll get no argument from me there. I mean, the only thing I can say is, when most <coughs> withdrawals, I, like, you know, kind of get a smile on my face because I'm like, all right, I didn't use them. <laughs> that's awesome. And then maybe, like, you know, golf etiquette, you're not supposed to cheer against your opponents. You're just supposed to cheer for yourself. Well, I cheered against all my opponents in the contest I was in who used Louis Oosthuizen. And then I had Perez and, uh, and, and Paul Casey on, uh, I think I had two Perez lineups and I had five Casey lineups. I guess if you want to say it was good luck, one of those Perez lineups was also a Casey lineup. So just, you know, wad it up, throw it in the trash and be done with it. Right. No. And, and I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we've all, if you play, if you play every week or you play enough of this, you're going to get the times where where you just have a guy who just withdraws. And you also get the times where the 25% owned guy withdraws and you don't have him, and you're like, oh, sweet. Yeah, you're high So, players. I mean, it tends to all even out in the end. All right, Jordan Spieth is my other one. Like, okay, I'm getting frustrated at the people who are touting Jordan Spieth and who have either no concept of the fact that he's gaining all his strokes putting, which is not reliable in the long term, or the ones that, probably worse, the ones that know this that are just trolling everybody, like, look, Speed, yes, is Spieth an elite putter? Yes. But I'm sorry, I'm not playing him until I see some semblance of form tee to green, so that way we're not relying on him making 40-foot putts twice around. He like, had I, over I just 300 don't... feet. On Tuesday and or uh, Thursday, Friday combined, and then over three hundred. And then he drained another two or three on Saturday. It's just like, yes, he had he had well over a hundred feet of putts on Saturday after the amazing Thursday, Friday. He was close to five hundred feet in putts, maybe not close. He was in the mid four hundreds after three rounds. And I don't think he made one over seven feet on Sunday, or if it was, no, it was eighteen. But, but I I will tell you this: while watching it, he left a couple like. Uh, long putt, leg putts to like real tap in like two, three inches. So while he didn't make them, the putters still look pretty good on some. Right, so. but it's just everybody's like, oh, Spieth is back. He's great. Like, guys, look at the numbers. He's not back yet. He's putting in an unsustainable. I mean, this is like the guy who, okay, here's my Jordan Spieth comparison. And you're going to, and we'll see if you remember this name. Do you remember Anton Smith for the Falcons a few years back? Wide receiver? Um, he was a pass-catching running back. Okay. He was the guy that was getting, like, four touches a game and was always taking one, like, 70 yards for a touchdown. That's not sustainable? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what, that's what Spieth is like. And, so, and I'm in the group chat, and like, well, well what if Spieth continues to punt like this? I go, he's not going to, but if he is, then he probably wins. And if he finds his irons and he puts like this, he's going to win by 10. Mm, but until easy. the irons and that come back, I'm just avoiding him. And I just think that there's either a willful, blissfully ignorant, or uh, that's not the right word. The people just want to come up their ears and like, oh, this is great. And, you know, it's like that little gif of the dog with a fire going around, like everything's fine. <laughs> not really. So that just kind of annoyed me a little bit. Well, I, I hear you, although I enjoy watching him make the putts. I am neither a Spieth lover or hater. Oh. I uh, I just kind of, I, I don't mind him, but I'm not like, 
you know, I don't I don't have an Under Armour cap uh, just to support him or anything. Oh, I, I have absolutely nothing against Jordan Spieth. I actually find him to be a very likable guy. Yeah. I just, you know, this whole thing of he's so great right now. I mean, he's draining putts at a ridiculous rate that just is not sustainable long term. And people who are refusing to acknowledge this or maybe worse, just, you know, who acknowledge it but try to make a name for themselves by touting it or whatever, just just come on. It's going to catch up with you. Well, I, I feel like you're probably right with that, but, um, you know, it was a Texas course too, so um, I get where people were at with speed. I actually didn't use them in a single DraftKings lineup. I did use them as one of my two uh, golfers in our league. And my thought process was, I'm going to use them while they're in Texas because I don't see myself using them anywhere else. And you know what? The rest of the 10K tier was terrible last week, so Spieth was actually the best play. Uh, I'd have rather had them than my boy Ricky, which uh, no hate for Ricky, no hate for Xander, but uh, you're right about that. And again, you know, dude, I think it was 154 putts and 153 feet of putts on Thursday and Friday. Um, You got to commend the guy for doing that, but, you know, even the best reader and roller, you know, you're not going to make that very often, but it is what it is. Um, well, let's jump into the Memorial. And uh, I guess the first thing I see is we've got a par 72 again. So that's a couple extra strokes that the golfers are given than we've had the last couple of weeks. Uh, what do we make here at Mirfield? First of all, I love par 72s. Um, I was I like scoring to an extent. I don't mind a tough course by any means. Like, Beth Page is fine. Even last week is fine. I just like seeing scoring opportunities. So, um, there's two par fives on both sides. I believe they're all reachable for. There's two that are reachable by everybody. Two of them will be reachable for the longer hitters. Like, there's nothing over 600 yards. And I believe on I believe on the back nine there's a drivable par four. The problem is the back nine, 16, 17, 18, or three of the five toughest holes on the course. So I believe 10 is a tough hole too. So the back nine, especially on Sunday, you're going to see some ups and downs. But other than that, um, wide fairways, these fairways are easy to hit. The rough is long. Greens are a little tough to hit though. So um, I, for me, it's a lot of ball striking and approach, a lot of scoring stats for me as well. Maybe a little bit of scrambling that showed up, but, most of the uh, proximity yarders I'm looking at are from 150 to 200 yards. So is this the point in the broadcast where I say I have played a Jack Nicklaus design course, or do we move Ooh, past that? Oh, no, go right ahead. <laughs> it's it's right next to the ocean course at Kiowa Island. It is the uh, turtle point on Kiowa Island, which was designed by Jack. So um, there you go. I've played a Jack course. I guarantee it has almost nothing in common with this place. I mean, I'm sure it has some things, but... I don't think there's any real parallels for me to draw. I just wanted to brag a little bit. I'm remembering and, uh, this, by the way, I'm remembering this next year for the Arnold Palmer Invitational because there's an actual an Arnold Palmer design course here in Central Illinois, so and I've played it a few times. All right. I've, I've played a couple of other uh, known guys. I'll save them for when it's time to brag. I am going to point out something else, too, real quick. You said that you like par 72s. Well, let me tell you this. When I'm watching, I'm all about watching a par 72, mm-hmm. but – I do like when I get out to the course and I see it's a par 70 because then I know that my chances of breaking 100 just got a little <laughs> bit better because I'm the kind of golfer who's going to shoot low 100s, high 90s. That's 
that's kind of where I live on the golf course. And so when I see a par 70, I'm like, all right, man, I got I got a little bit better chance out here to break 100 today. Let's do this. I, hey, I'm with you. Or, you know, if it's a, <laughs> if it's a you know, par 70, you like to say, oh, 495-yard par 5. All right. Well, I can yeah, do that. And, and I'm not reaching that par 5. But right. at least I like the idea of maybe having wedge in instead of seven iron on a par five with my third shot. Well, man, you, you and I, in a few weeks when I come out there, we golf. You and I might make an interesting match play uh, competition. Well, we'll it might see. Be very we'll similar. See. Sounds like we're similar type of scores. Well, or not scores. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I'm trying to boost us up here, James. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, we're definitely the similar type scores. I uh, I can definitely birdie a hole. I can too. And then I can also triple the next hole, so. Or that same hole the following week. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Um, again, this is uh, this is a tournament where, you know, it's Jack's place. So we've got a nice field here, and I'm looking at some of these names further down the list that we'll get to, and it doesn't quite feel like a major, but it's 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 also not. Um, you know, how the heck did this guy get into the 10K range? So I look at this field at the top end, and I feel like, all right, we've got this. This should make for some good viewing, should make for some interesting uh, lineup setting, and, and let's just get right into it. Uh, Tiger Woods, not the top dog as he was after his Masters win, didn't make the cut at that PGA. So the top dog this week in this field, it's Rory McIlroy. He's at 11.5. And, you know, Royal McIlroy, he is one of the best in the world, for sure. Um, good history here, but hasn't won it. Eighth last time he played, fourth the time before. At 11-5, you playing Rory. Absolutely. Um, in fact, he's probably the only guy I'm playing up in this tier. Hmm. I mean, outside, his worst finish this year is 21st of the Masters. Hmm. Everything else has been top 10. He's gaining strokes off the tee. He's gaining strokes on approach, which is what we want to see. Some slight struggles recently around a green. That could come back to get him a little bit. Even his putting. He's only lost strokes putting twice all year. He's a clear number one in my stat model, ranking first in greens and regulation and ball striking. He is second birdies or better DraftKings points. He's third in approach and par five strokes gain. He's fourth in greens and regulation. Scrambling is the only thing that he doesn't rate well for me at. So at 11-5, when I have some questions with everybody else in this tier, you know what, just give me the guy who's playing the best, and it's Rory. Not going to argue with you there. Uh, the guy that I just mentioned, who is the second guy in the 10K plus tier, at 11-2, it's Tiger Woods. He won the Masters, didn't look so good coming out in the PGA. He's won here multiple times, the only multiple-time winner here at Mirrorfield Village in the field. Can you go to Tiger? He finished 23rd here last year. Yeah, I, I certainly think you can. Um, again, he, he, he actually raced out pretty well for me, uh, fourth in proximity from 175 to 200, third in greens regulation, sixth in DraftKings points, eighth or birdies or better, 20th in ball striking. So he, he's fine statistically. Um didn't really do anything horribly wrong in the PGA when I look at his uh, stroke scheme. He lost a stroke and a half putting, but and everything else was kind of around one half. So there wasn't anything terribly wrong. I just, again, worry about the driver. I know it's easier to hit fairways, but the rough does play long. I just think I like Rory better. I think he's been more consistent this year. And I'll pay the extra 300 to go to Rory. 
who could be similar owned to Tiger, maybe lesser owned just because of the Tiger bump. You know, we really haven't seen it yet this year. Maybe this is the week, though. I don't know. The third man on the list, Justin Rose. Won here in 2010. Really nice course history in the last seven years. A sixth, a second, two eighths. Did also miss a cut back in 2014. Yeah, 2014. But Justin Rose, man, he's like, we were talking about before we got started, since his win in January, he's had two really nice finishes, the Wells Fargo and the players. But other than that, he has come nowhere close to returning value. Uh, maybe I'm still jaded from the Masters. I have no interest in Justin Rose. I know you've been playing him a lot lately. I want you to play him in at least one lineup so that he doesn't do great. <laughs> because the last time I completely faded him was with Farmers and he won. Um, I'm not playing him. And I don't blame you. I mean, I, I just I need to see more, right? I mean, I, I've sat here and followed him the past two tournaments at PGA and Schwab, and he just does something's off in his game. Numbers-wise, really the only thing that kind of sticks out a little bit is around the green where he's lost a stroke or two, but everything else is kind of average. Um, his two recent good performances at the players, he gained four strokes putting at Wells Fargo, seven and a half. So, I don't know. Something just doesn't seem right. At 10-8, if something doesn't seem right, I don't think I can play them. So, for a, a rare time for me, because I love playing Justin Rose, He's a pass for me, even with a really good course history. I completely get it. Let's go to 10-6, the fourth golfer in this 10K plus tier. It's Ricky Fowler. Uh, you know, if you've listened more than once or twice, you know I love Ricky Fowler. He's of, of the very good golfers, be it maybe even great golfers, he's probably, you know, my favorite of those high-end guys. But it's not just that he didn't make the cut at the Charles Schwab. He's been playing pretty good. I don't know. I'm just avoiding him. I think a lot of it might be because I like the guy who's behind him, and I'll save the money. I think I think he also goes cheap, uh, lesser owned. Uh, but I look at the course history, too, and Fowler, who had a good tournament last year and the year before, eighth and second, but then he missed a cut three years in a row, and that was during Ricky's good run of play. So it's not like Ricky wasn't good then. I don't know. I'm not playing him this week. I'm not either. Um when I look at stat models, nothing jumps out over 24 rounds. Even when I look at the model between 4 and 100 rounds, nothing really jumps out at him as, you know, extreme long term. He's 11th in my model over 100 rounds, but 24 recently not really doing it. Um, when I look at each tournament's numbers, again, it's not, he's not dominating in any one aspect. His tee to green game is good, but he's really not dominating. He's not really harm, hurt, hurting himself either. I just, at this price, again, I, yes, he has got, he's got a talent to win, but I think when I, when I look at mediocre stats combined with what probably be 20% ownership, that's just a, that's just a cause for me to pass. I go to the final guy here in the 10K plus tier, Patrick Cantley, 10,200. I don't think if a month ago you would have ever told me that he'd be in the 10K tier, and I would tell you he's my favorite play. I'd tell you you are crazy. Um, not a long course history here, but he finished, I think, fourth last year, 35th the year previous, and the run of play for Cantley right now is pretty impressive. He's got two missed cuts since January, but he's got six top 15 since January as well. 
and I think five of those are top tens. He finished tied for third at the PGA, tied for third at the RBC Heritage, tied for ninth at the Masters. I don't know if it's if I'm wrong in thinking he'll be lower owned than the rest of this tier, but I think right now Patrick Cantlay is my favorite play in the 10K tier plus. I don't think Patrick Cantlay's ever low owned. Um, or very... At this price? I mean, he was 3% owned at the PGA. He was, I believe, Fair he was no, he was in the 8Ks for that. Um, Trace, I, yeah, I'd have to go back at price history to to remember where where, where he's been at owner ownership wise. Does DraftKings still show that? No, okay, I don't, I don't think so. They used to show price for what they were for each tournament. Okay. No, Kelly's going to pop in stat models because he's been very, you know, PGA gained six six point eight strokes on approach, fourth off the t or four strokes on a tee, strokes game. He's fifth in ball striking, seventh in approach, ninth in DraftKings points, 11th in par five strokes game. So all the scoring metrics, he's fine. He's good in the ball striking. If I play a second guy up here, it probably would be Cantley. I just, I think the way I'm building, it's going to be a lot of Rory in that for me, but I don't have a problem with Cantley. Again, I think he'll be my second guy if I go with a 10 lineup approach, but I just don't think right now he's the one I'm looking at. I got you. I think McElroy is my two. Cantlay is my one. It sounds like it's the other way around for you. Yes. Let's hit this 9K tier. Uh, we, we talked about this guy a little bit. Let's mention him again. It's Jordan Spieth, 9,900. I don't think I'm going to Jordan Spieth. I could see myself maybe just sitting there building a lineup, and I end up with 9,900 and say, okay, I'll put him in one. But missed the cut here last year. He does have a 13th, a third, a 19th, uh, also a 63rd and a 57th. I don't. I'm not going to him. But tell me why I should or shouldn't. Okay. Other than what we've already said about not making 500 feet worth of putt every tournament. All right. So I'm just going to use Byron Nelson, the PGA, and Charles Schwab. Would you like to guess the total number of strokes gained putting he's had for just those three events? 20. 24. I mean, I went obnoxiously high, and it was still high. Okay, so he's gained 24.3 strokes putting in the past three tournaments. Do you want to know how many total strokes gain he has gained in those three tournaments? Okay, the number was 24, right? 24.3. Uh, 12. 25.3. Okay. I was I was underestimating the rest of his game. I was figuring he was negative the other. And by the way, those strokes gained are around the green. They're not off the tee and they're not approach. <laughs> so okay. again, is he a really good putter? Yes. Do I need to start maybe factoring that in a little bit? Sure. But until I see positive numbers or at least some sort of improvement in his approach game and off the tee game, there's no way I could pay this price for him, especially when he's going to garner ownership. Like, even last week, he was 14% owned. So people are playing him. I mean, there's not a whole lot of... I mean, there are, there are some other names in the 9K range, but people love playing Spieth. I'm just not going to do it until I see some improvement with his I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, let's go to Tony Finau. He's the next guy up, 9,600. Is the second at Charles Schwab, along with three top 13s in the last four times here at Mirfield enough to you for you to spend 9600 on Fino. You know, I looked at him cuz he played he played really well again last 
last week at yeah. Colonia, which was not a course that I would, would have thought would have suited him very well. But, I mean, a lot of his success was 4.7 strokes in putting. He's been solid in approach. He's pretty good off the tee. His numbers, though, are, yeah, okay, 17th in ball striking, 19th in par 5 strokes gain, 26th in approach. That's over the past 24 rounds. In long term and very short term, he's top 20. I just, a 9600, what I know, again, he'll get some ownership. I just, it's just not a good enough combination for me to want to go to him. Because there's a couple guys I like cheaper that I would just rather want to save the money on. I'm fine playing Finau, he's just not for me. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, the next two guys I like better than him, and if they were all the same price, I probably would anyway. But I like Finau, and I could see myself getting him in a lineup or two. But if you're going to pay 96 for Tony Finau, why wouldn't you just pay 94 for Matt Kuchar, the next guy up? I mean, Kuchar is just having an outstanding season. Oh, and by the way, Kuch won here in 2013, he finished 13th last year, 4th in each of his last two times before that in 17 and 16. Um, I mean, it just seems like I don't think Cooch is my favorite play in this tier. Uh, he is a very close second, though. He's my favorite play, and he'll be the chalk because he's gained 39 strokes at this course the past five years. So Kuchar loves Muirfield Village. Um, he's second in my stat model, first par five strokes gain, which would not have been something I would have thought of. Second greens in regulation, fourth in approach, fifth in opportunities gained, so that's 30 attempts from 15 feet or less, and sixth in ball striking. He just rates out so well. 9,400, I think people will be on him. Like, I don't think that's a high enough price to scare him away. I think he's better than Spieth. I think he's a better play than Finau right now. He ought to be the one at 9,900. I think he's slightly underpriced. I'm going to take the discount, and I'll, I'll find my ways to be different elsewhere. I like Cooch a lot. I think my favorite play has to be Justin Thomas, though, at 9,300. I mean, I was looking at that and thinking, can that be right? Now, I know he hasn't been out on the course in a while. We had the withdrawal from the, uh, from the uh, PGA, so maybe health is a factor, and maybe that's something I'm going to have to look at a little deeper before I lock these lineups in. But Justin Thomas at 9,300, when's the next time I'm going to be able to pay that little of a price? to get Kentucky's finest, Justin Thomas? Um, you pro- unless it's Pebble Beach. I'm, I'm assuming DraftKings might come out with their pricing for the U.S. Open later this week. That's just a guess on my part. But um, Again, the problem here is how healthy is that wrist? Yep. And if it's close to being healthy... I, I'm not going to say does he care about winning here, but is that his main goal? Or is he just playing around to say, okay, let's see how this is. Let's get a warmer before the U.S. Open. Certainly going to put a full effort, but, you know, how does that wrist hold up? I, there's no way I don't think you can play him in cash games. Tournaments, go right ahead. I mean, this is way too cheap of a price. If I play 10 lineups... I would probably throw a couple on Thomas because he rates out really well. First and birdies are better. Third and par five strokes gained. Seventh and ball striking. He's got a couple really good finishes here the past couple of years. Fourth and an eighth. Like, if he's healthy, he's probably the fourth price guy, not Ricky. But you're getting a you're getting a discount because of the injury. So 
we'll kind of see where ownership goes on him, but if you want to take a chance on him, by all means, go for it. I would argue if he were healthy, he would be ahead of Justin Rose, too, but that's a uh, argument for another day. Uh, that'd be close. Jason Day's at 9,200. Um, of these guys here recently that we mentioned since Spieth, he's the one with the major championship. Granted, it's not, like, right in the recent history. I feel like I'm discounting him a, a little bit because I feel like I like Thomas Kuchar and Finau better than Day, but Day's the cheapest one at 9,200. Uh, he's my fourth favorite play in this tier. And, and I mean, if I'm sitting there with only 9,200 left, I'll play him as opposed to trying to rework my lineup to get Thomas or Cooch in. But I don't know. I feel like I just continue to underrate Jason Day. I don't know. He's never played well here either, which is weird because I think his, yeah. uh, I remember right, his wife is from Ohio. I don't know what part, if it's close by, but I, there's always, I always, I feel like every year there's some sort of, narrative about that uh, how he should play well or he's a member at one of these uh courses unless i'm mixing this up with firestone but um no again he's another one that's gonna be good off the tee his approach has kind of been iffy he'll put lights out so that's just jason day but he just his, historically here hasn't been great stat wise here he's okay this week uh third and drafting points fourth and birdies are better like there's just nothing really there, and I don't. He's either like five percent owned or twenty percent owned. I'd probably lean closer to five or ten, just because of Kucher and Thomas and Finau in the same range, and a couple guys coming up. But I'm with you. I, I, I'm not on him. I don't fault you if you are. Just something about him I just don't like this week. I don't know what it is. Hideki Matsuyama is ninety one hundred. He has won here. He finished 13th here last year. Yep, 13th last year. Uh, fifth four years ago. Am I over analyzing what I expect from Matsuyama? Because it's not like he's been terrible. He's making every cut. He's finishing top 30 or so or better in every tournament. But I guess I just think like it's time he's already won a major. I don't know. I What's wrong with Hideki Matsuyama that he's not higher on my list than Finau or Day or even an injured Justin Thomas. It's because he was kept popping in stat models like a month ago and everyone was using him and he just kind of finished his like T30 and he just maybe got jaded by that a little bit because when I look at the individual tournaments, again, he's elite T to green, very good approach. Really, I mean, even his putting, outside of the API where he lost eight strokes putting, which, I mean, Hideki's probably a neutral putter. I mean, that just obscene he's really not doing anything wrong like even stat wise he's third in opportunities gain he's 12th in birdies or better 10th in ball striking 11th in an approach this is a course where you gotta be really good at approach he's okay par five strokes gain 9100 feels like a little bit of a discount maybe it's just because you like some of these other names better but i'm on hideki as long as everybody else doesn't want to jump him up to 20 percent ownership I feel like I feel like I've already moved him ahead of Finau and Day just by I talked myself into it before you even said anything. We'll see where that stands. But the final guy in the 9K tier is Xander Shoffley. Um, I don't know Brooks Kepka light. Oh, dang I mean, it! You, dang it! You stole my. I was like, that was, <laughs> is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> that was exactly what I was gonna say. Is Brooks Kepka light? Oh, that's weird that I said exactly what oh. you're gonna say too. But dude, it is what it is. I mean. 
second at the Masters, 63rd at the RBC, 16th at the PGA Championship, didn't make the cut at the Charles Schwab. I don't know. I'm I'm completely off Xander here, completely off of him. Uh, looking at his course history, one-time missed cut. Yeah, again, there, he's just another guy right now, nothing really popping stat-wise. You know, he'll get a stroke here, lose two or gain three somewhere, but there's no fours or fives or sixes anywhere on him. Um, in the regular stat model, I mean, he's top 20 in, like, Green's regulation, birdies are better draft kings points, but nothing really jumping out at 9,000. I want something to jump out, so I'm with you. He's a pass for me. And now we get into the 8K tier, and this is where I start to struggle figuring out who I like best. I think I know, but I'm not certain about it just yet. I can tell you who it's not. It's the defending champ, Bryson DeChambeau, at 8,900. He he won it last year. Bryson hasn't made the cut in a little bit. I don't know what's up. Maybe he is just uh, too much science going on in that brain, but I have no interest in Bryson at 8,900 right now. He lost four strokes off the tee last week to Charles Schwab. But he's going to fit in the same kind of narrative with, as Xander and I think Finau a little bit. Just nothing is really popping out for him. He'll lose half a stroke here or gain a stroke here. Just three three missed cuts in a row, nothing really jumping out. E900 is a nice discount, but I guess he's a little better form from before I'm ready to jump in. So I'm with you. I'm passing. Gary Woodland's 8800. I have interest, I'll say that much. Um, you know, Woodland to me is a guy, when I put in my lineups, I feel pretty safe about. Now, he hasn't made two of the last cuts in tournaments he's played in. Um, a decent enough course history here. It's certainly not great, but 23rd last year, he had a fourth a few years ago. He's also missed some cuts, finished in the middle of the pack. Your thoughts on Woodland? Well, I believe that wasn't Wells Fargo he withdrew after like nine holes. Or, no, I think he withdrew after the third round. He did. You're, you're, it was, well, or was, uh, or the Wells Fargo he has, fourth round. Yeah, he's probably an MDF. It says cut, so I'm assuming that's uh, 73, 70, 74 for a plus four. No. No, he was the one that played, he played the front nine there. I think he was playing terribly. He said, all right, you know what, that's enough of this. I'm done. Um, He was pretty good at PGA. He, he mm-hmm. gained eight strokes approach. He just kind of reverted to Gary Woodland form a little bit, lost nearly five strokes putting. So that's kind of, that's not so shocking on a Gary Woodland. Uh, he ranked second ball striking for me, ninth in birdies are better, sixth in that proximity from 150 to 175. Scrambling, yeah, not the best, but I think he's fair at 8,800. I'm not, I mean, I don't love this tier. He'll be in consideration for me, but I He's not my initial list. Um, I'll put a star by him just in case I need something in this range. But I, <laughs> I mean, he's fine. It just doesn't really do anything for me. Adam Scott, eighty-seven hundred. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago I was way, way off Adam Scott, but his finishes lately have been pretty decent: eighteenth at the Masters, eighth at the PGA, twelfth at the Players. Now, you could argue that, hey, he's only playing these big-time events here in the last uh, several months here. Adam Scott's history here, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, in the in the top 35 the last two years, he had a fourth going back to 2014. I think Adam Scott's a guy I'll consider at 8,700. Yeah, he's another one that's just I don't know what to do with. Um, 
and the PGA gained seven strokes around the green, which, um, you know, if you're gaining seven strokes around the green this week, you're probably not doing real well. He has at least his putting this year has been pretty good. He's, he's gained strokes putting every single time. His approach game has kind of been yeah, average, off the tee, slightly above average. So I guess that's my concern with him, and that even shows up in the stats because he's 36 ball striking. But if we get rid of that, he's first in draft keys points. He's eighth in scrambling, 11th in birdies or better, 12th in par five strokes gain, and 19th in greens regulation. He'll give himself chances. 8,700, he's probably a better play than Woodland and Bryson, maybe even Xander right now. So I think better than all three. I don't mind him. I mean, I, I think at least in the upper 8K, he's probably my quote-unquote favorite play, but I use that term loosely in this range. Let's go to... No. All right, now on 8,500. <laughs> we should at least point out it was Louis Oosthuizen. Uh He's at 8,600. If, um, if, you want, I, if you want somebody 5% owned, nobody's going to play Louis after last week's withdrawal, so... And do you... I mean, I don't expect him to withdraw again, and he finished 13th here last year. I could make a case for playing him on ownership and the fact that he is a really good golfer. I could also argue that you don't want to go heavy ownership on him because of that. He's not going to withdraw two weeks in a row, right? Right? Well, you wouldn't think, but again, Louis never been one to shy to withdraw, so... No, I just... It would be a pure ownership play only, and I'm not playing enough lineups to play him, so... I get it. So I, I just told- had to say no for Louis just because... <laughs> Louis. What about another guy who finished 13th last year? As uh, there were a handful of people tied at 13th last year. One was Henrik Stenson. He's 8,500. I felt pretty comfortable with Henrik here recently. Uh, I mean, the 48th at the PGA was a little bit disappointing, but it also wasn't a missed cut like some other guys. Uh, 20th at the Byron Nelson, 28th at Wells Fargo, 36th at the Masters, 24th at Valspar. I spend 8500 on him in this field, I'd like to see a top 20. He's he's making cuts here lately, though. Stenson is not giving you great performances. He's also not letting you down. There's a win coming sometime for Henrik. I don't know when, but he's playing well enough. Like, his approach game right now is phenomenal. He gained seven and a half strokes on approach at the PGA, four and a half at the Byron Nelson, six at Wells Fargo. PGA was off the tee that killed him. Byron Nelson, he just didn't score enough. He didn't make enough birdies. And Wells Fargo was his putter that let him down. I don't know what to do with Henrik because he's number one in approach. He's fifth in greens in regulation. But then when I look at the scoring stats, he's 60th at DraftKings points, 61st in birdies or better. At this price range, I need somebody who could score a little bit. I mean... At least Woodland and Scott will score, and I think there's a couple guys below him who will score. I just, that's my problem with Henrik. He, he might be a very good cash game play, but I don't think I'm using him in tournaments, and I'm not playing cash games. I think he's off my radar. The champ from last week, Kevin Na. He did not make the cut here last year. He finished second here in 2014, a 13th, not last year with everyone else, but in 2015. I'm away from Kevin Na. I figure he maybe gets a bump on ownership because he's the the the, re, the most recent winner. Um, tell me if that's foolish logic or not. No, I'm, I am. As you were saying, I just immediately went to look up. See, what did he do after he won the Green Fire last year? 
I mean, 51st, 31st, and 19th were his next three outings, but then again, there were those are two majors in a WGC, and I'm not sure any of them really fit his style. He's probably not a horrible fit here. He's 10th in approach, 10th in opportunity to gain 24th in DraftKings points. He's solid, but nothing's really popping out for me with him. Even last week when he won, very good approach. He gained 8.3 strokes on approach, and that's good news. He gained 7 strokes putting. That's, you know... That's a real big anomaly for him. So 8400 I think I'd rather just pay a little bit extra for Scott or, oh boy, here we go. I'm just going to turn this over to you because this is like your, the non-Charlie Hoffman type of, of uh, James Adams guys, the next two guys. I think I like them a little bit better than non. They're cheaper. I used to despise this guy too. At 8300 is Roy Sabatini. I didn't like the attitude he put when he was, I think he was world number two, or he was very close to that. I mean, he's, he was talking about how he would overtake Tiger Woods. And, you know, I guess in hindsight, maybe I should have liked the confidence more. But look, Rory Sabatini, what did he do for you last week? Tied for sixth. He was fifth the week before. I mean, Sabatini, we talked about it a little bit before the show started. My man should have waited to change citizenship until after the President's Cup because he would be ready to make that team. And Sabatini, okay, this is, again, not last year, but... He finished second here in 2012. Uh, Sabatini's my favorite play in this tier. It could be co-crack, obviously. Between the two of them is is where I'm picking. But for me, it's Sabatini. He's my favorite play in this tier. I'll take the 8,300 in the form that he's got going right now. I mean, the past four tournaments, he's not lost strokes in any single category. I mean, he's gaining off the tee. His approach has been his best part. He's a, his around the green game has been pretty good. His putting has been slightly above average between 10th 18th 5th and 6th he's in phenomenal form right now mm -hmm. he's 8th in DraftKings points 10th in birdies are better 2nd in scrambling 15th in ball striking 8300 remove the name but even at this point I think I'm starting to become more and more comfortable with Sabatini I'm with you he might be my favorite play and this is a guy that I poo-pooed a couple weeks ago but and I I don't blame you. I mean, if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were paying, he was my favorite 6K tier. Right, but E300, now he's deserved to be that price. Mm -hmm. He does. I mean, actually, that's actually probably exactly where he should be this week. I can't justify him over, I mean, maybe outside of Louie, but that's just probably the personal bias at this point. It's Louie. Um, I, I could argue him over Nah, but that's a bad No, not, nah, I mean, not nah, just one. So, but no, I think Roar, I mean, Rory, Coke Rack, or Sabatini, I should say. I shouldn't say Rory. There's two Rory's. You got to make sure we know which one yeah. now, babe. Maybe play both of them. I mean, Sabatini, Coke Rack, and Glover have just been the guys that have been very consistent all year that if you keep, if you keep riding them long term, you're doing just fine this year. Yeah, and they've been, they've been just fine for me this year. And we'll go the next fella up is my man, Jason Coke Rack. And the reason Sabatini, he's at $8,200, $100 cheaper than Sabatini. The reason Sabatini, my favorite play, is, and I get it, Kokrak is a different player right now than in his past, but you look back the last seven years, he's played this tournament five times. He finished 35th two years ago. He's missed the cut every other time. I can't make that my favorite play. I will use him in a lineup at 8,200, um, but he, I can't feel as confident as I have other weeks in him. All right. I'm kind of throwing out course history on Kokrak if it's bad because I don't think he's ever played as well as he has. This Fast. year. Um, the weakness here is he's not a good scrambler around the green, so that is the concern. 
and even his worst finish in recent memory, that, that 69th at Wells Fargo, he lost seven strokes putting. Now, granted, he'd been gaining strokes putting like crazy before that, but mm-hmm. the putter is still a little bit inconsistent, but his approach is good. His off-the-tee game is good. Um, ninth in ball striking, ninth in proximity from 150 to 175, 12th in Grinch regulation, 14th in approach. I think this is a, you know, <coughs> Sabatini is short-term playing better. Kokrak's probably the slightly better play long-term stats. I'm good with either one. Maybe this comes down to, who, who you know, is there a significant ownership difference? If there is, maybe I'll play the lesser of the two, but I think I'm with you. I think I like Sabatini better. And by the way, did we ever imagine a world where we would like Rory Sabatini, who is priced higher than Phil Mickelson? <laughs> well, well, we'll get to Phil in one second, but I want to ask you one question about Kokrak. He withdrew last week. He did it, I believe, on Tuesday morning, or was it even Monday before we did the show? Um, there's, there's no. He just, from what I understand, he just elected not to play to take a little time off. There's no reason to be worried about that withdrawal this week if you play him, as long as you check, you know, early Thursday morning, right? Yeah, and hopefully somebody does some reporting and says. Um... You know, he was on the course, looked fine. Hopefully somebody sees something with him. But, yeah, there was no reason for his withdrawal. It was after the show because I didn't even see it until Tuesday night. I'm like, why has Kokrak got nothing by him? And then all of a sudden, oh, that's a big withdrawal. Okay, it was Tuesday then. Yes. All right. Um, so, okay, let's move on to Mickelson. And, yeah, who would have thought? Sabatini, Kokrak, we like him better than Mickelson. I do, but I still see a place for Mickelson in my lineup here. I mean – I could start with those three and move from there. Mickelson, 13th, 22nd, 20th. Those are his last three finishes here in the last three years. Now, I get it. Phil is, you know, Phil is Phil the Thrill. Do we want a guy who can miss a lot of greens on this course? You're trying, you're, you're, you're making me feel like the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Phil has missed, what, three of his last five cuts, too. When he was 71st of the PGA where he lost six strokes at approach. Yeah. Um, No, because the problem with Phil is, even if these fairways are slightly easier to hit, he'll still find a way to miss them. And <laughs> and the rough here is long. There's just <laughs> nothing statistically that's jumping out for me. Short term, medium term, maybe extreme long term. He's 21st if I go over the past 100 rounds. But, again, I think I just like Sabatini Kokrak better. I'm going to pass, but I'm still 8,100. Well, let's go to the final guy. That's 8K even in this tier. That's Mark Leishman. Which, by the way, I assume he is also on that uh, that President's Cup team right now. Mark Leishman didn't make the cut at the PGA. Had been playing pretty good before that. I mean, he also didn't make the cut at the Players, if you want to go back. And I guess recently he has not played good. RBC and Masters wasn't great. Um, but Leishman had a really great start to the year. Can we get that fire going again? I will say this. I'll consider him 5th, 11th, 15th, 62nd. Those are his last four finishes here, the 62nd being last year for what it's worth. I mean, he's gaining strokes on approach. He lost five strokes putting at PGA. That's why he missed the cut. But he kind of falls in with everybody else. There's just nothing kind of standing out right now statistically. He's too inconsistent with the putter, and the rest of his game is average, slightly below, slightly above, nothing, nothing really standing out. Even short-term, long-term, nothing really standing out. So 8K, he's okay, but I think I'm passing on him. I really, really, we're getting into the 7Ks here. I really liked Kevin Kisner last week at 7,900. In fact, 
how many Kisner lineups did I have? Well, he's I had five Kisner lineups last week. Um, this is why, along with the Paul Casey withdrawal, I didn't do very good. But at 7,900 this week, I don't know. He hasn't made the cut in the last two events. I mean, he looked like, you know, he looked like a tough cookie in the uh, match play tournament. I'm not feeling Kiz anymore right now. I'm not either. In fact, he really hasn't. Outside of that, outside of the match play, he doesn't even have a top 20 this year. But he's got two top 10s in the last four years here at Mirfield. I know, but, I mean, he lost three strokes in approach to Schwab. He lost five and a half at the PGA. So that, that concerns me, the fact that he's losing big strokes on approach. Isn't really doing anything else in any of those categories. He's a pass for me at 7,900. I would rather go with Emiliano Grillo, who's probably going to be somewhat owned because he's always owned. Um, his approach game recently has been pretty good. Gained four-plus strokes the past two tournaments. His putter's kind of been average off the tees, but okay. I think 7,900 gives him some decent, you know, I'm not, you know, top 20 potential. I'm not saying he has a ton of upside. I don't know if he really does, but but I don't I don't hate him here. He's 12th in ball striking, 15th in approach. So he 23rd. I was going to say, 23rd last year and 11th two, three years ago here at this course, too. So, if I'm playing somebody at 7,900, it's Grillo for me. No argument with that. Uh, 7,800, we got two guys in this group. Kyle Stanley has won. Um, you know, 8th at Wells Fargo uh, was a nice finish for sure. But if I'm spending 7,800, I'm going to Lucas Glover. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of what we said with Kokrak and Sabatini that he continues to play well. I mean, he he missed it at Heritage. He missed it at Players. He missed it at Phoenix. But Phoenix that, is going all the way back in January, though. Right. Now, now recently, he hasn't been great. I mean, he did gain five strokes putting in the PGA. That's why he's 16th. But now once we get to the 7K range, if there's no stat that's really kind of been sticking out recently, this is where I don't mind it as much because I'm not, you know, I still think you can get a top 25, top 30 out of that. He's been playing well enough that I can take a chance on him. He's not very good statistically for me. He's six scrambling over the past 24 rounds. What is he long-term? Longer term, he's 10th over the last 50 rounds. So I don't mind him at 7,800. I'd rather play him in the Stanley. Let's go to 7,700. Um, um, my first thought is Sung Kang is the last of the three guys I'd like to play here, along with uh, Turo Hatton and Billy Horschel. I'm sorry. He would be the second guy. I would play Horschel, then Kang, then Hatton. But Ooh. maybe I should maybe I should have Kang as my first guy out of these three. Ooh. That's interesting because I'm on Hatton again this week. All right. Well, I'm just looking at I recent DraftKings points, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, the top tens. And I know Hatton, top, he, had a, he had an eighth last week. Um, but before that, you know, wasn't very good. Didn't make the cut at Valspar Players, 56 at the Masters. 35th at the British Masters for what that's worth, and 48th at the PGA. Um, but I make your case for him. Um, approach has been okay. Off the tee's been okay. Putting has kind of been slightly below average around the green. Yeah, I think this is more of a world ranking type of play here versus um, first price. He is eighth in greens regulation, 15th in proximity from 150 to 175. He, was, he played really well in the weekends last week because I used him in the weekends, and he was a, he was one of my better players in the weekend. So 
at thirty seven hundred, again, I think this maybe this is more of a world golf ranking versus price comparison play for me, but I don't know if I'll use them, but I don't mind them here. At seventy six hundred, we've got some volatility. First there's Matt Fitzpatrick. Then you got Luke List and you got Keegan Bradley. I'm going to try and find a way to play a lineup with one of those guys and then the other being Bradley and List and hope that one of them makes the cut and doesn't, you know, do what they do. Uh, what, do you about, think, what do you think of that philosophy? Talking about team no putting here. Um, <laughs> he, he just, he's, on, he's on my list. I mean, he's first in proximity of 150 to 135. He's second in approach, fourth in ball striking, fifth in opportunities gaining sixth in greens and regulation. We know the story on Keegan. He will be perfectly fine tee to green. It's just can he make a putt? Can he be can he be average? Can he not lose two plus strokes putting? If he can be average putting, he will be fine. He's got a decent course history. Top, he finished eighth two years in a row in 14 and 15, missed the cut in 16. I'm getting these wrong. It's 15 and 16 he finished eighth, missed the cut in 17, and finished 23rd last year in 18. Okay, here's why I probably will play Keegan, too, and this maybe needs a factor in a little bit. This is another invitational field where there's only 120 players and top 17 ties make the cut. So I think you can be a little more aggressive. That's enough of a reason for me to go Keegan here. I still think he's a better player than Luke List. Um... List will get some ownership because, well, he always will, thanks to Pat Mayo. And then coming off that great performance at the PGA. But for me, I'm going to take a shot on Keegan. And, of course, I'll probably be not happy myself Friday afternoon when he misses, when he three putts from 20 feet to miss the cut. But No, you got to wait till it's like the 16th or 17th whole Friday evening uh, like he did to me. One of his two missed cuts in, in the last, like, 15, uh, 15 tournaments, too. By, by the way, do you know what going full Keegan means? Uh, I would assume it means, like, being three shots under the cut and then four putting to not make it. Actually, no, it's, it's worse. I think he's the only one in recent memory, I don't know what term it was, where he goes from first-round leader to missing the cut. Okay. <laughs> so if you ever see on Twitter or something, somebody says somebody's going full Keegan, that's what they mean. Okay, all right. I just figured it meant uh, blowing up and... You know, four or five, four or five putt in a, a hole, which I think he four putted that one. But all right, let's go to seventy five hundred. I think we have an interesting group of names here. I'm out on Hao Tong Lee. Uh, that leaves Rafa Cabrera Bello and Jim Furyk. Uh, Furyk certainly looked like a guy who could win a tournament. Still, uh, what is he forty eight now? Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, just you know, the seventy three on Sunday at the Charles Schwab. I don't know that he was catching Kevin Na, but he really made it impossible to catch him anyway. Is Furick is Furick a guy you can play here? I know that Rafa's a guy you've had interest in uh, before. Rafa's just not good enough form for me to want to go there right now. How Tong, if I was playing 20 lineups, I would play him in two. I, I always like How Tong just because he's got high scoring upside. He's also got major blow-up potential. But Furyk, 7th in Grins regulation, 3rd in that proximity number from 150 to 175, 9th in scrambling, 12th in approach. I think at 7,500, I don't know if he's going to be a top 10 contender this week, but I think top 20 is certainly viable. Even top 25 at 7,500, I will gladly take so. He's my play in the $7,500 range. Let's go 
7,400 range. Oh, man. There are some very interesting names in here. Kevin Streelman, decent last week. Uh, not not great, not terrible. Uh, made the cut, though. At 6,900, he was, I mean, he was 31st. I, I'll take a 31st out of any guy at 6,900. Um, was good on approach. Benny On finished second here last year. Jason Duffner won this last year. And then you have the man, Charlie Hoffman, all at 7,400. I mean, do you just start your lineup with, like, four guys from 7,500 and move on? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I mean, depending how risky you want to get, you can start a lineup with Keegan List and, uh, and Ben On and, and you know, hope, hope that they all three of them's lightning strikes and make a putt. But, um... Yeah, Benny Ahn's going to get a lot of attention, I think, is that second last year, because he was the one, uh, there was a three-way playoff with Kyle Stanley was the third. I think Stanley lost in the first playoff hold, and Bryson beat Ben Ahn in the second hole. He's ninth in approach, 11th ball striking, but it's the same thing every week with Benny Ahn. Great ball striker, he's just losing a ton of strokes putting, and, you know, he's typically somewhat higher on, so I won't be going to him. Duffner's starting to play better. I, I need to dig into him a little bit more because I'm not there. I don't think I'm there on him yet. Streelman I have some interest in, but I'm with you. I'm going back to Charlie. He's just... Charlie's a great cash game play right now, and I think he carries a little bit of upside at 7,400. I think he's a fine play. I actually like Duffner and Hoffman and on in this tier. Um, still, I, I still have not figured out who I really like as my favorite play in the 7K tier. Uh, I don't think it's Charlie this week, but it could be just because it always is. Um, but let's go to 7,300. That, that's, yeah, just, just a, he's, here, I'll tell you what, he's my favorite play. If you want to join me, that's fine. If you want to go different, I will take the benefit then from, you know, when he screws you. Well, I'll, you know I'm going to have lineups with him. It's just a matter of whether or not I declare him my favorite. He'll probably be my highest own, but that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that he's my Favorite logical play. He's my favorite play because I love Charlie Hoffman. Mm -hmm. uh, those are two different animals there. Uh, let's hit 7,300. We got some Joaquin Neiman. We got some Charles Howe third, Ryan Moore, and Aaron Wise. Do any of those guys stand out for you? Um, I mean, I could make a case for some Neiman. I could maybe make a case for some Howe. Uh, probably could make some a case for the other two as well at 73. Um... Wise is a little intriguing. His scoring ability and distance gives me some some hope there. Um, he was okay at PGA. He was okay at Byron Nelson. Price is right there. Charles Howell, I was like, wow, what is he at 7,300 for? But he's just kind of like some of the others, just kind of been yeah, average. Mm -hmm. Ryan Moore, I haven't seen enough of yet. And Joaquin Neiman time's coming. But I don't know if it's yet. I mean, he gained four and a half strokes around a green last week. He also lost that straight, same about putting. So <laughs> I'm not ready for Neiman yet. He's going to be a guy, once the U.S. Open is done, that little stretch where nobody plays between the U.S. Open and the British Open, that's when I'm jumping on Neiman. All right. Well, let's go to 7,200 then. And uh, we've got another four guys here. We've got Peter Uline, Abe Anser. Jonathan Vegas, and we've also got Andrew Putnam. Yeah, Putnam came out of nowhere. Didn't he finish second or third last week, I think? 
Mm, yes, he did. Tied for third after a 78th at the PGA. Didn't make the cut at RBC. Um, 36 at Valero. Didn't make the cut at Players. Didn't make the cut at the Genesis. Um, so he was second at the Sony Open Hawaii back on uh, in early to mid-January. But, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely came out of nowhere. I think um, I, I, I'm not going in that direction. I mean, I don't know. Your boy Vegas... Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if he's off, off my list right now either. Um, jeez. Okay, so I'm looking at this because I played Vegas last week. He did. He wasn't bad scoring wise. Yeah, 31st. I mean, and you know, what do you have? 64 and a half DraftKings points, which last week wasn't wasn't bad. No, he lost six strokes around the green. Like that's just an anomaly right there. Everything else in his game was fine. He's been playing pretty well the past month or two. Fifth and par five strokes gain, 11th opportunities gain, 13th DraftKings points, 17th birdies are better, 18th in ball striking. 7,200, there's a lot of upside here. He's playing well. You know, he's probably my second favorite play in this entire 7K range, to be perfectly honest. Let's take a look at the, not the last, I'm sorry, the second to last is 7,100. We got a handful of guys here. We got Alex Noren, Russell Knox, Adam Hadwin. Pat Perez and Keith Mitchell. I think after the withdrawal last week, I'm probably going to step away from Perez. I don't know that he's fully healthy yet. Who knows? I mean, it was a calf injury this time. Um, I don't know. Could you go to Perez after the after the withdrawal? You could. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going there. Uh, okay, Russell, I wouldn't either. Russell Knox kind of was one that jumped out a little bit, but then he gains five strokes putting last week after, was it, seven tournaments in a row where he didn't gain any putting. Of course, I don't play him, and that's what he does versus eighth. Another another solid guy, the last guy out for me, and and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, last guy out, and he does well. So whoever the last guy that I'm not playing this week, just play him because he'll top ten. It's been two <laughs> weeks in a row. Um, eighth in approach, eighth in par five strokes gain. That would be my reason there. I'm not on Keith Mitchell. I'm not on anybody else at 7K. Okay, all right. I figured I, I was interested in taking a chance at Keith Mitchell. Why do you not like him? Um, he's starting to fade a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, 59th at Byron Nelson, didn't make the cut of PGA. Not great around the green. He's been struggling there. Putting has been, yeah, okay. His approach has been a little inconsistent. So, I don't mind taking a chance on him. Just, I don't, I don't know. He's just kind of that, that initial buzz from winning is kind of starting to fade a little bit. Maybe he shows up well here because, you know, maybe it's just a bigger tournament type of field that he does okay at, but not for me. Then the last tier, or the last price range here in 7K plus is 7K even. It's Joel Damon, Kira Deshapi, Bonrod, Cam Smith, Austin Cook, Siwoo Kim. For me, it's either Damon or Kim out of these guys. Um, I got to step away from the, uh, the Bonrod for a minute until, well, until I'm... You know, until he doesn't yeah. gain 14 strokes putting. Until he does something for me, eh? I, I'm with you. I think Damon's my play here. Hasn't been awful recently. Hasn't been great, but he's eighth in that opportunities gain. He's 27 ball striking, 20 birdies or better. He'll score at 7K. That's kind of what I want, especially in a week where more people are going to make the cut. Uh, Siwoo Kim has missed three cuts in a row. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Siwoo Kim is don't necessarily worry about form because he's he can he can go from missing a cut by six shots to top two. He's just not my type of play. But I understand. But in tournaments, you want somebody with high upside. 
especially in a field like this, go right ahead. 6,900 as we get into the final grouping. Um, there's a handful of guys at, at 6,900. I want to say, well, I want to say J.B. Holmes because I love my Kentucky guys, but it's not J.B. Holmes. I mean, Harold Varner, okay, did he finish good on the PGA? No, but he stepped up on that stage. Um, I was cheering for him really hard. It didn't work out. But of these guys, I think Varner's my guy right here. I don't like his approach game right now. And two Gosh, I didn't realize he shot an 81 on Sunday. I I knew it was bad, and he was trying to get out of Kepka's way a lot. I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, he just he's not ready for the – he keeps putting himself – I mean, it's so hard to say anything bad about him because he handles everything in, in stride so well, like – you just hear the interviews. He's like, yeah, I know it's going to be a rough day, but it's a learning experience. Like, the guy's just so likable. It's like... Very. I mean, we're just... He's just... We're, I, think, I think everybody's ready for him to win because it's just he's one that deserves it, it feels like. Um, it's, it's almost like a fault of mine that he's so likable that I want to play him. <laughs> when maybe I should be looking at Danny <laughs> Lee out of this group. Yeah. I'll be honest. In the 6K range, there's only two guys I really have any interest in playing right now, and they're both in this price range, is Taylor Gooch and Corey Connors. Okay. Connors, certainly not a model of consistency. I mean, first in greens in regulation, third in ball striking, fifth in approach. He's a horrible scrambler, so that's a concern there. Taylor Gooch is fourth in DraftKings points, seventh in birdies are better, so he's a scorer. You know, I don't know if I'll play both of them in a lineup, but I, I can see myself using one of them. But as far as everybody else, I don't know if I really want to start dipping in this range. There are some intriguing names. Martin Keimer? I'm not playing Martin Keimer. I just look I look at his name. I see a major champion who's not old or past his prime in the 6Ks. And oh, I think he's past his prime. You think so? Yes. Okay, well, I, I don't think he is age-wise, and I'd have to look that up. Maybe he's I mean, older. He was, he's at the British Masters, and that's not a bad tournament, but... T40 last week, didn't do anything in the PGA. No, uh, That's a pass for me. No Sun JM, no Nick Watney as we get into 6,700. M's another guy that I'm going to kind of wait for that little, because he's slumping a little bit right now. I'm going to wait until, like, the 3M Classic, the John Deere. There's my obligatory John Deere reference each week. Um, the Quicken Loans, that kind of little three-tournament stretch. That's where I think he might win one of these. So I hope he starts showing some better form. Uh, Brendan Grace was one I was shocked at, and then I look at the stats, and yeah, there's a reason he's 6,800. What about Max Homa? I mean, uh, after the win, you know, he doesn't do great at the PGA, and then he finished 27th last week at Charles Schwab. Yeah, 3.4 strokes game putting. He was okay everywhere else. I don't mind it. This just feels like this might be a little too tough of a field for him. To really want to do anything, so I get it. Uh, Brian Stewart was one I've been kind of right, but he was terrible on the weekend. Speaking of Brian's, what about Brian Gay at 6,600? Finished you 13th all, last week. You always play Brian Gay. I mean, he almost always makes the cut. I okay. I I understand it. I just want somebody with a little more upside than him. I, I feel you. I mean, you I know, get he what was you're 13, I guess I didn't know he was 13th last week. That. Wow. Uh, 2.7 strokes game putting. That's nothing new for Brian Gay. Um, I'm just, I'm never on him just because he's so putting reliant. 
So there's really nobody else. I mean, you can take nobody. A... I mean, before before we dig too deep, there is Adam Shank, who we like to talk about a little bit here and there. I'm not so sure I'm playing him. Um... No, I mean, if I had to dig down here, I'll again, I'll take another shot on Ryan Fox because he's been a primary scorer over in the Euro Tour. I don't know how that well that translates here. I could take a flyer on him. Troy Merritt kind of is an interesting second to opportunities gain, so he can score a little bit. And then, all right, you know what, James? I'm just gonna turn this over to you. I know you got a six K guy, so if you're trying to save a couple of bucks, you could go down to six K. <laughs> and it's not Halloween yet, folks. But don't get scared. It's Boo Weekly. Ooh. Halloween reference. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, you know what, man? When he was, he was actually under par on Thursday. I think, what did I say? I had him in four lineups last week. So I got a little aggressive. Um, the course fit was there. I, I don't think I'll play him this week. I may pop him in one lineup just for fun. Um, but I'm looking back. I mean, the last time he played here was 2012 and he withdrew. So... I'm in no way advocating him this week. I think I, I, I did, and I don't have a problem with advocating him last week. The 74 on Friday kept him from making the cut. Um, I love him. Uh, I'd love to go bass fishing with him, and I don't even know if I would talk golf with him. So I don't know if that makes him more 6K. I promise you I'll have one lineup with him. There's nothing wrong with him at 6K. As I said, if I'm punting down here, it's, I'm taking a shot on Ryan Fox at 63 or Troy Merritt at 62, but I don't see Bigger. Big Ernie L's down there at 6K. Oh, no. Been a long has time he, since he won here. Has he done anything in recent tournaments worthwhile? No. 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 There's a reason he's 6K. Yeah. I'd rather play Boo than Ernie. I, uh, I'm glad I've converted you. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> well, that's our field. Um, if, uh, if we missed anybody, I don't think, uh, I don't think we really – past anybody i mean we passed the luke donald a kj Choi, guys who have no. had some, some success but it's been forever ago uh luke luke teased us a little bit that one time some older names you could get in there there's a steve stricker in this but i mean i think we pretty much hit everyone ling mirth won this thing up several years ago at 63 oh, he's playing okay. terrible thank you for mentioning that because david ling mirth is second in the total stroke ski in the past five years he will get attention because when you you're look, not, when you look but at you're him, you're not playing him, right? I'm not. No, but he's made six straight cuts here with a win. He's what 6,300. People yeah. will play him just simply as a course, as a tournament history guy. And if you want to do that in a tournament, I don't have a terrible problem with it. I just think he's going to probably be over five percent owned. And that 6,300, I'm not playing him, but he's going to be over five percent owned. I can distinctly remember watching him win, and I'd never heard of him before then. So that is almost enough to make me want to play him. <laughs> because I love wasting three dollars per lineup. I am just I love firing out these dumb lineups. I just get a kick out of well, it. Well the first step to first step is admission, so <laughs> there it was. Alright. Uh, Alright. There's no field. Now we t I, I we were talking about this pre show and I said let's save this for on air. Because we we're talking about President's Cup and I was because I was a little surprised with two wins in the past year that Kevin Now was only seventeenth for the Americans. You want to know what, what Rory Sabatini was, then you realize he, he's now Czech, or is it Czech or Slovakian? Slo he's a Slovakian. Slovakian, so now he's part of the 
a Ryder Cup for the Euro. Yeah, he'd have to make a Ryder Cup if he was going to play. So that led to, can you name, let's see how well you do. Top 10 players right now in President's Cup points. So I started, and we're talking about the internationals. I started with Jason Day and Adam Scott, and you told me that Scott was 11th, right? Yeah, so he's outside the top 10. Day was 7th. Okay, so we got Day. You gave me Leishman, who was number one. Deki Matsuyama, Leishman. Third. All right, so that's three. Uh, I mean, I'm going to really struggle now. Like, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like ways to get a clue here for non Europe, like, non Europe, non USA. Well, thanks. That's not a clue. That's. I was hoping you'd maybe give me some continents. Like, how many Asian players do we got in there? Is Kiradesh? Kiradesh has got to be in there. Kiradesh is not. He's 18. Okay. Um, Siwoo Kim coming off the uh, the run before. He's not in there, is He's he? He's 15. Okay. Uh, no Benny on, right? Um, look, he's 25th. Okay. Uh, who are the South Africans I'm trying to think of? Is Louie on there? He's second. Okay, so we got Louie. Um, who's the other South African? Darn it. Charles Schwartzel, he can't be on there right now, can he? Charles is not top 40. He's still looking. <laughs> um, what about Kang? He's got a decent price here. He can't. Is he on there? Charles E. third, by the way. Wow. Did you say Sun Kang? Yeah. I'm impressed. I would never would have killed him. He's 10th. Set, well, okay, so he's 7,700. I'm going through the list of players in this tournament, and uh, – he then I click on him. He's seventh at the PGA and first at the Byron Nelson. So um, I'll give myself. What about uh, Grace? Brendan Grace is nineteenth. Steel. Steel's American. Oh my bad. Who am I thinking? Who's the other South African up there? Uh, oh, there is another you... South Af- African in the top ten. Okay, who's the one I'm missing here? He's not in the field this week. Uh, now I'm struggling here. Justin How many do I Harden. Oh, I just used him a couple of weeks ago, too. He's eight. Oh, wasn't going to get that. Um, do we have any uh, any uh, Latin Americans like Neiman or RCB or anybody like that? Well, RCB Spain. So well, Spain. So never mind. He's Spanish. My no, Grillo seventeenth. Oh. I think he's top South American. Okay, so Abe Answer's not in there. Nobody like that. Okay, Answer's Mexican. He is ninth. Oh, you know what? We t- I made a I made a smart aleck comment about uh, knowing my continents, and then I just <laughs> said Mexico was South America. Oh, South of America. Oof. You're missing... I, s- I swear I went to college. You're missing four, five, and six. Six is Australian. Four is Chinese. And number five is, I believe, Chinese Taipei. So, is it your boy, Hao Tong Lee? He's Fine. fourth. Okay, he's one. Um, Five, I believe. Is, is he in the field this week? We didn't talk about him if he is. Number five is five and six are not in the field. Actually, wait a minute. Oh, six is in the field. He's not playing well, but he's in the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling here. I, I will tap out and, and ask for the final two here. Yeah, the I mean, this is tough right now. Let me pull back up. Fifth is C.T. Pan. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. And six is Cam Smith. Okay. Yeah, he's way down there in pricing, isn't he? Uh, Cam Smith's 7K. He's just garbage form right now. All right, so I, I got a couple. Now, I did decent there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact you threw out Sun Kang, I never would have came up with that one. I mean, I'm, because I'm scrolling the list of names and he was 7,700 is where I came up with that one. But I'll give myself a decent little Barry Horowitz pat on the back. <laughs> there it was. Oh, Thank man. You Loud enough that I'm going to hear it, too. Well, I want to make sure, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't, I don't have any Foley going on here, but, uh, you know, I want to make sure we had our sound effects going, make okay. sure that was in there. Okay, uh, you want to guess the top 10 Americans? By the way, Tigers 11, Phil's 12. Top 10 Americans. Brooks has got to be in there. He's two. Uh, Fowler's got to be in there. Fowler's eight. Thomas has got to be in there. Thomas is not. Where is... Kucher's got to be in Hold there. Hold on, where is Justin Thomas? I'm sorry, Thomas is third. I'm blind. Okay. Kucher's five. Uh, Fino's been playing pretty good. He's got to be He's in seven. There. Is Xander in there? He's four. All right. He's missing um, six, nine, and ten. Six, nine, and ten. Now it's probably like just guys that I'm just not thinking of. Oh, Dustin's in there if I didn't say him. Oh, one. I'm sorry, yes. I, okay. I don't know how you did. And, and believe it or not, six, nine, and ten are all playing this week. Uh, is Spieth isn't in there, is he? He is not. Where is no, he? we talked about that before. Spieth is 33rd. Uh, 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 Bryson in there? He's I mean, six. he's been playing bad lately, but. He's sixth. All right, now I'm just going down the list of uh, numbers here. Is, is it Woodland? He's 10th. All right. Uh, you like number nine this week, too. Well, it's not Kevin Na. It's not Co-Crack, is it? No, you need to go higher in the price range. All right, well, who do we miss? Uh, oh, is it Canley? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Well, that's easy, though. The Americans, The American golfers are actually a lot better... Now, I think, than they were three or four years ago. Um, they, you know, like, I always expect them to win the President's Cup, but I think there was a little run there where you didn't even think they had a chance in the in the Ryder Cup, especially when it was in Europe. No. And, like, okay, yeah, they laid an egg in Paris, but I think that team should pro- probably should have won that. By the way, Not, just... Take just, nothing away from the Euros. Just for your knowledge, Charlie Hoffman's 41st and Boo Weekly's 150th. Well... I had my Boo Ryder Cup moment that I love to talk about as he rode his golf club down the fairway like a horse at Valhalla in Kentucky. Uh, as he was, he I did. believe, playing with J.B. Holmes. Um, oh, wow, that, that'd, be, that'd be fitting. Well, you gotta get yeah, that was the Ryder Cup that had two Kentuckians on there, him and Kenny Perry. Um, unfortunately, Justin Thomas was probably in grade school then, or early high school at that point, but... Uh, no, I, I I don't think Charlie's ever played in a Ryder Cup, has he? I don't think so. I don't think he has either. And I think that's unfortunately his time has passed. So by the way by the way, this is interesting. Charlie Hoffman's forty first, forty second, Brian Gay. Alright, well. I'm I'm I mean And and by the way, you're both I, I like I like playing Brian Gay in some lineups, but I'm obviously wanting Charlie Hoffman to move well past that number. And uh, your boy Pat Kazire is actually higher than Speeds right now. 
Patton's exactly. 30th, but I think he has a couple wins that kind of are influencing he, that from early in the process. Yeah, he is He is, He is. is no longer my boy. I just was surprised at how cheap he was at the PGA, and I think as we talked about last week, uh, there was a reason. Yeah. I, I know, that guy just... I like him, too. I just... I don't know what happens to him, but it's been rough a little bit. Well, when, when is the President's Cup? Is that uh, I September? I think it's December, because they're in Australia. Oh, so I think they have to wait for summer or some of the southern hemisphere well yeah i'll be able to actually uh, enjoy it and maybe i'll even be like staying up all night drinking to watch it not that i'm advocating that to anyone else yeah i guess it'll be different than the euro events yeah it'll be yeah what would that be that would be uh that'd be teeing off they'll tee off like at, n- at nighttime here in the states and then oh yeah that'll be awesome the morning round yeah the to... afternoon the afternoon round down there will probably be like 2, 3 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, that ain't a problem. That's that's not a problem for me in uh, in December. No. no. <laughs> it is this time of year, but it's not in December. You know, I'll just, ah. all right, before we go, I have, you know, there's a buddy of mine who, he's gotten into golf a little bit, so I mean, more than just the betting side of it. He'll stay up, he'll, he'll wake up at 1 a.m. Here in, here in central Illinois to watch the British Open. I will not. I won't. I just try to, uh, like, wake up and turn it on early and just watch what I can watch. Exactly. Um, you know, I, like, I will, like, I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I better pop this thing on. Yep. It'll kind of be like watching the Masters this year on Sunday, actually. Yeah. You know, it'll kind of be like that. Like, and I'm I did so- think that when I was watching it this year, the Masters. I'm sorry, I'm not waking up at 2.30 to watch the group of Molinari, Fleetwood, and Rose, you know. I like all three of those guys, but I'm not waking up at 2.30 in the morning to watch them. No, not unless I go day drinking the day before and fall asleep at 8 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock in, in the afternoon. That's pretty much how it would have to happen for me. <laughs> Understood. I, do we got any, do we have any, because I swear I went to college, do we have any uh, any thoughts on the one-and-dones as, oh, you know, I know you and I are, are getting pretty deep into our season and... You know, we're starting to see a gap between the middle of the pack and the top dogs. Um, you, you really, you, it's, it's simple enough to say you've got to pick winners, but you've got to start picking some winners this week, right? Well, no, you don't have to pick winners. I also have to find unique picks. I, oh God, who do I even have? That makes left? it very challenging. Ooh, I do have Tiger left. That would be a tricky one. Um, ugh. Oh, I mean, would you would you dare dig deep enough at a guy like Lingworth, who, you, you, as you pointed out, has a, a great course history here? I'm not. That's a little too deep for me. Um, hmm, hmm. You know what? I have to take upside, right? So the first two, first guy I clicked on was Tiger. So I don't think anybody else is going to use him here. No, you, most people use them at the Masters or... They're waiting for Pebble. Yep, they'll save them for the U.S. Open. My second pick's Keegan Bradley. I love it. Love it. I mean, I, what, I don't even know what place I'm in in this darn thing. It's terrible. Um, you and I are in the top half of the field still. Um, I don't care about I am 28th. You are 25th. Yeah, we're in the top half of the field. You are... We'll make... We'll make the cut. <laughs> MDF? You're, you're beating me by 34,000. 
Yeah, which is maybe or forty four. Sorry, forty four thousand. Yeah, which is maybe what Spieth made. If only I would have stuck to my guns and played DJ and the PGA instead of Rom, it'd be a different animal. But ifs and buts and all that other stuff, right? By the way, I'm not I'm not committed to playing Tiger and uh, Keegan in this. That's just off the hand of like who I have left. Yeah. Like, eh, eh, why not? It's better than not setting a lineup. I don't know if Keegan uh, might be the same result. Depends how he uh, depends on what he feels like doing this week. But at least you get to watch that four putt on sixteen. I hope not. I, I hope... All right. I hope he play. I hope he. Um, I hope he tees off the. Um, on one on Thursday, so he can end Friday on the front nine. If he ends the Friday on the back nine, that's literally going to be a sweat right there. That's called the bear trap, right? No, that's at um Honda. Okay. I don't know what the final three holes here are called, but they are. Tough. There's some name for it, I believe. Again, they're they're the top five. They're three of the t- five toughest holes in the course. So. Well, we will uh, we will certainly see. Skeeter, that's all I got for this week. You got anything before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think we've ran it long enough. If we have anybody still listening at this point, uh, <laughs> bless you all. And uh, the trivia questions of, of President's Cup uh, eligibility. Well, but it is a fun exercise, especially when you look at the international side. Like, oh, there's some names you just wouldn't think of. Sure, guys you don't see a lot or just don't think of. Right, so... All right, well, anybody who's uh, still hanging in there with us, appreciate you all listening, and uh, we certainly hope you have a good tournament, the Memorial. Happy Memorial Day. Um, you know, I don't know if you're supposed to say Happy Memorial Day or just observe Memorial I Day. I think but you can say happy. I think Certainly thank you to all the uh, people who have served that are with us and that are no longer. Absolutely. As it, as it is Memorial Day, and uh, I'm remiss that we didn't mention that before, but definitely want to throw that out there. And so... Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. Good luck this week, and let's talk about some winners next week.